This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hey all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. All right. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about all things Dragon Age related regarding their lore. I am also known as Teacup. I am one of your hosts for this podcast. And I'm Shelby or SheCup, and I'm your other host or lore master nerd extraordinaire for this show. Yeah, and so today is a very special episode. We have some guests with us, and so we have our Tier 3 First Enchanter patrons here with us for our special patron episode, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Um, or I'm also the person I always refer to as Lisa M in the list of patrons that you read out. Um, I'm here in... Melbourne, Australia. It is um, Friday morning and uh, yeah, I need to be awake enough to discuss um, this very interesting topic. So I better drink more coffee. Thank you. Welcome. Hi, I am Kolka and I am extremely jealous of Lisa M that it's Friday. So I guess let's just kind of get into it. It's kind of a very important topic we're talking about today. And so uh, Shelby, what is that topic? Yeah, like we said, this is our July patron chat. And so our topic, which all of our patrons get to vote on every month. So if you are interested in some of these topics that we're going to dive into, you can become a patron too and vote on that. But our topic for today is who makes the best divine Victoria at the end of Dragon Age Inquisition? So just to give you a little bit of background, if you're not aware, at the end of Dragon Age Inquisition, one of your party members does become divine. And no matter who becomes divine, all three of the options, they both style themselves as divine Victoria, as in victory over Corypheus. And so there are three different options and they each have different requirements that you need to meet throughout the game. There is also a point system that determines like who, who wins essentially. Um, but we're not going to dive into that tonight. You can kind of look that up on your own if you want to, but the three options are Cassandra, Liliana and Vivian can each become divine and they each do different things. There are some things that they all do no matter like what your choices are um but they each also do different things and like we were kind of chatting about earlier um they each have pros and cons so tonight we're answering the question which of these three makes the best divine and why yeah lots of options i know when i was thinking about it i it wasn't as easy to decide as i thought it was going to be does anyone want to go first <laughs> it's really hard to go first on this one because first of all i'm on my fourth playthrough of this game now and i have i do not have a clear opinion on this um maybe i will develop one during this podcast this discussion because um i don't think i've ever quite fully thought it through i seem to be ending up if i just go with my gut i seem to be ending up with 
uh, Cassandra most of the time. But yeah, the question is, does, um, is, is, is she what we need? So, um, I don't know, like, I, the, the, the overarching thing is that you, you have in Cassandra someone who has very stable demonstrate, demo, de, yeah, she's got like stable religious faith, is a believable religious leader and will be taken as such and therefore not cause any divisions. And then you've got Liliana as the most progressive choice with very, very rapid radical changes all of which sound amazing but carry all these risks with them then you've got Vivian who I want to hear more about from you guys because for me I feel like in the like the trespasser slides at the very end we don't find out quite enough what happens with Vivian other than that she's sort of she's very focused on this one area which is the circle and politically what happens around that it's not actually clear to me and maybe i've just missed some information there and not entirely sure so yeah i'm waiting to hear from you guys so what if i just open by giving us a little bit of background on what each of them do because i do have notes on some of their like biggest actions would that be helpful yeah Yeah, totally totally okay so all three of them no matter who becomes divine there's there's controversy with all three of them. They each make decisions that uh, people dislike, that factions of the Chantry have issues with, which I think is fair for anyone who would be divine, um, especially in like the context of Thetis at the current moment. So for Liliana, Liliana uh, declares an end to the circles and the mages are able to govern themselves completely. She opens up the Chantry priesthood to all the other races. She declares support for the Inquisition and she rededicates the Chantry to the principles of charity. So like giving and supporting other people. And so these things that she does are controversial from the start. Um, Several new sects and factions arise and they all resist her reforms and they basically declare her rule a threat to the faith. Just just to interrupt, I read uh, in my homework, um, I read that um, if she is in a relationship with the hero of Ferel, then she also, I, apparently it's just under that circumstance, but she also opens the, um, the clergy up to marriage. So okay. lets people within the Chantry marry. And yeah, I think that's, but that's only with this specific relationship in place. That's awesome. I really like that. Um, I did not have that in my notes. Um, so thank you for sure. There's a lot of different like circumstances, like if the mages are recruited versus if the mages are conscripted versus whatever happens with the Templars. I'm going to give the information as if the mages are recruited because that's like the bulk of what happens. And then I can give some information on the other stuff too. My question was with that Thing about the marriage does Liliana still do that if the hero Ferelden is dead yeah unfortunately I did not find that there was one paragraph um I will send you the link to that it was from the wiki actually later that was that was just one one of the many ifs that were given was that uh yeah it, ju- it just says that no she doesn't she doesn't do that if the hero is alive and if, she, if they're in a relationship that's the case um yeah yeah that was my only question I I oh, actually had a Liliana question that I had there if she was killed in uh, in Dragon Age Origins, do, can she be ordained as divine? 
Um, I would imagine so. We talked about this previously. So the slide or the cutscene or whatever it is, uh, when she when we it's revealed that she's a lyrium ghost, it says something to the effect of the lyrium sang her into being when she was needed. So I would assume that because she gets elected divine, she's still needed. So she would it would the lyrium would still be keeping her alive in that situation that would be my assumption yeah but i have yeah, that makes sense actually i yeah, can I confirm that okay cool. I've, I've, I've done that world state and um both where she is the lyrium ghost but where she one where she's elected divine and then not elected divine and then the uh the lyrium ghost epilogue slide didn't show up when she was elected oh okay interesting so for the mages and liliana when Liliana disbands the circles, they leave the Inquisition and reform the College of Enchanters as their new order. And so they then govern themselves. And the college, they say, will allow the mages of the South to gather in peace and seek new solutions to age-old problems. For the moment, it appears to be working. Mages are enjoying unprecedented acceptance throughout Thetis. So for the Templars, things kind of change and depend based on whether or not Cullen is cured of lyrium addiction, which I think most people do personally. So if, if Cullen is cured and Liliana is divine, they, the Templars reform the Templar order to truly serve the people and they're totally independent. They're not under the Chantry. If Liliana is divine and Cullen is not cured, a bunch of Templars leave. They join mercenary bands. Some stay within the Chantry. It's kind of all over the place. If Templars are conscripted, they unanimously elect to remain under the Chantry. Uh, but the old Templar order is like formally disbanded. They're just kind of within so that's kind of everything that happens under Liliana. Oh, and I forgot to mention, um, if she is steeled, as the, as the wiki says, uh, there's a line about like, I can't remember exactly how, it, how it's phrased, but it's something like, she's a very frightening divine. Like people are scared to stand up to her or disagree with her. So she kind of rules pretty strongly if she is, if she is steeled or hardened, and if she is uh, softened and her side quest is completed, she's a much more empathetic ruler. Do y'all have any thoughts or do you want me to move on to Cass? Did you mention that she opens up the, uh, the priesthood to all races? I might yes. miss that. Yes, I did say that, but yeah, she does. And, and she opens it up to men as well. Yeah, I, I think in the, on the wiki, it says that within the year, she removes those restrictions and then also, very swiftly afterwards, returns the canticle of Shatan to the canonical chant, which would also have, mm -hmm. so picking up, like, in relation to the, the Inquisition, like, there's a lot of this elven history that is addressed, and she picks that up and um, makes it canonical in a way that would anger a lot of people. Yes, that's yeah, that's point. super important. Okay, so for Cassandra... She um, immediately, like she acts immediately as well. Um, she reforms and creates a new Templar order and a new circle of Magi. 
And if the seekers of truth are reestablished and rededicated to their purpose of protecting the innocent. So if she's kind of pushed to do this by the inquisitor, then a new faction arises also. um, And they kind of wage war against the new seekers. Um, But if the inquisitor has encouraged Cassandra to rebuild the seekers, the seekers are stronger And so they're able to like put down this new faction super easily. If the mages are recruited, they do refuse Cassandra's invitation to rejoin the circle of magi. And instead they form the college of enchanters as a new order. This is very similar to what happens under Liliana. The college they say will allow the mages of the South to gather in peace and seek new solutions to age old problems. And from the beginning, of Divine Victoria's rule under Lilian or under Cassandra, the college and the circle, they have clashed and have had major conflicts with one another. And a lot of people fear that it will lead to a new war of the mages among themselves. So they would be back under the civil war again. So for the Templars and Cassandra, uh, they rejoin the Templar order under the new divine on the condition that she will not rule over them in the same way that the Chantry ruled over them in the past. If you conscript the Templars instead, some do join the Templar order again, but a lot they do not. Um, And a lot of people leave the Templar order altogether. So that is Cassandra. And then I think Vivian is the one that most people probably know the least about. It's definitely... She's definitely the one that I knew the least about. And I actually have never even been able to get Vivian to be the divine in any of my world states. I have tried and tried and tried, but I think there's just some decisions I won't make that uh, makes me not get the right points from Vivian. So for Vivian as divine, she is the first mage to hold the position, which is super important for her, but there is a huge and immediate uproar immediately. There are three revolts that follow one after the other, and her response is vicious, basically. She eliminates them with no remorse, no regret, Um, and it's basically a war, and for months, it says chaos reigned. Many, uh, apparently in Thetis, were surprised that Vivian reinstated the Circle of Magi and created a Templar order that is firmly leashed to the Chantry. This did not surprise me, but some people in Thetis were. And uh, mages, though, they do have more power as they're able to rise much more quickly in the new circle, at least rising to power within the circle. And they do have more freedom and more responsibility than before, even if all true power lies with Vivian. So if you recruit the mages in Inquisition, uh, they refuse to join Vivian's invitation to rejoin the College of Magi. And instead, they reform the College of Enchanters as a new order. So no matter what happens, the College of Enchanters is a new faction, no matter who is divine. And the reaction from divine Victoria, Vivian, is a war to basically dissolve the college before it begins. It was unclear to me whether or not this is successful, though. But either way, the new circle of Magi is the more dominant of the two groups after this. 
Um, and then for the Templars, the Seekers refuse to join the Reformed Templar Order under Vivian because she's a mage. And they instead form a new knightly order called the Silver Shield. If Templars are conscripted, they elect to remain with the Inquisition instead of joining the Chantry. So those are all the things that Vivian does. So Vivian, you know, I kind of thought that Liliana ruled with a strong hand, but Vivian very much rules uh, with fear. Absolutely. So those are the three options. Okay, these are the three options. Do we get to choose now? Yeah. Yeah, I think someone had very strong opinions about Vivian. I want to hear some I want to I want to hear something about that. Okay. Yes. I like Vivian and I think I don't know, it's kind of like the bitter pill that you don't want to take. I don't think any of the there's no wrong choice between any of the three of them. And it's only been some of my most recent playthroughs that I've finally been able to like figure out how to get Vivian on the throne. Um but it, it is very hard to do. With her, I think, one, I definitely agree with her that mages need to be in the Chantry, and it helps. I think it helps. Her rule is one of the best to help uh, break down the stigma around the mages, simply just by the fact that she is a mage, but also her own personal experience with the circles. She recognizes you know everyone else's fear that you know that mages can be a significant threat and that's you know i i always play as a mage i am always on the mages side but it's recently i've been like okay they also have a point over you know the other people the templars to a degree there's the mages are still people um but so it's helping she's giving them more responsibility she's helping get them out more into society while also uh, you know recognizing the fear around them with regard to the fear i definitely think that she does rule with a very very firm grip and it's kind of like you you will all either bow down or i will crush you but i think with the common people she uh you know, she, she moves around and she operates within them, you know, with her, her natural grace and beauty and, you know, radiance. Because she, um, at one point when her and the Inquisitor are talking and she's describing such a high standard for them in their role as the Inquisitor. And then you can ask, well, if that's your standard for me, I can't imagine what you hold the divine to. And she says, no, it's the same standard. You know, you have to be a hero to the common people, you have to be, you know, the epitome of perfection and grace. Um, and, you know, you have to be the ideal for them. And she, I think, very clearly applies the same to the, uh, to uh, being divine. So, um, yeah, Vivian is so, someone who's so driven, but um, as the most powerful mage in Southern Thedas, what would you say her political motivation is beyond what she's doing with the circle i think i definitely think you know her own her own personal ambition definitely plays a part to it but i think she recognizes that it's like everyone has ambition um you know divine um oh god who was right before victoria justinia justinia 
Justinia, you know, to a degree, I'm sure she had her own ambition within the Chantry. I'm sorry, I forgot the rest of your question. <laughs> oh, I, I just hadn't heard much about. Um, yeah, for, to me, Vivian was always such a one-trick pony in terms of that she is really focused on becoming the most powerful mage in the country and upholding the circle and giving power, power to mages through that avenue. Um, but there's so much that goes on around that in the country where I'm not actually sure where where she stands. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I think, you know, where it does talk about, hey, you know, the mages are enjoying so much more freedoms and responsibilities throughout Southern Thetis. But, you know, the line added in there of, if all the power really is though flowing through her, that's not great for continuity. You know, what, you know, what's the next divine gonna do? I think the only kind of thing that helps there is that, you know, at most she's probably in her forties probably. So it's like, you got, you know, another 40, 50 years ahead of you. So you can build this, you can build this into the institution over that time. So that way people, you know, after her can, will hold to that same standard. Yeah, I think we can jump from that also to just a more general question in terms of after the the world state that we witnessed during Inquisition, what does status actually need? So do they need a faith-based, do they need a religious leader or a secular leader? Where should the focus of, of any leader be? Is the Chantry even the institution that should have this power or do they need something else altogether? I, f I find that really hard to evaluate. I guess maybe because I'm not such an in-depth law nerd as well. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. I'm working on it. We'll get um, you. Like no, you I think that's I think that's right a right question because my whole thing is when I put this uh, option to talk about this topic in the Patreon. Um, Austin and I, I think we chatted about like what's the definition of best we say who's the best divine but best for whom best for the chantry best for elves best for men best for women best for mages best for tevinter i mean best for orle best for the chantry um i think each of those probably have a different answer and a different reason why so for me it's it is a hard question to answer because of that so i think um it is hard to evaluate also because there isn't like one leader, at least that we know of in Southern Thetis, like in each country, like there's not a president in each country. Um, there is the Archon in Tevinter, but that's Tevinter. So the, the divine is kind of like the only person who has that kind of leadership over everyone. Um, and so that's weird because for us, at least, like she is a religious leader. Um, and for most of us, at least, you know, a, we probably think that a religious leader, like a pastor, would not be the person who becomes president or prime minister or whatever um, leader of our country. So it is, I think, a weird or different, at least I probably shouldn't say weird, but a different uh, context to look at in terms of in terms of that religious leadership. And I think uh, one of, for Vivian at least, two the two pros that I have for Vivian is one, mage representation. Like we can talk about how great Liliana is for the mages and even Ka 
Cassandra isn't terrible for mages, but to have someone who is you in the position of power and not only just at the seat of having a seat at the table, but being at the head of the table is vastly important. Because of that, I think that Vivian's Divine has the potential for a more just and stable society. And if you had asked me when I first played through the games, if I would have picked Vivian for Divine, I would have been like, oh, you know, no way, no way. She is a mage who votes against her best interests. But this last playthrough, I really sat down and I talked to her. Uh, she's actually one of my elven mages, like best friends. And her whole speech that she gives about the reason she votes against, at, votes against leaving is because of timing. It's not anything to do with what she thinks politically or what she thinks mages have to do. It's that they're deciding to leave after an assassination attempt on the divine and after the circle in, oh, what is it? In Ravain, or is it not in Ravain? It's one of the free march circles, right, Shelby? That gets destroyed and wiped out? No, it's the one in Ravain. I just don't remember the name of it. <laughs> yeah, after that. And so her whole thing is like, don't be the monsters that they say we are. Um, and I think that yeah. that's an important, it gives depth to her character and how she would she, be at Divine. She offers like a unique combination of representation and power as well as, um, yeah, wanting to keep a lid on the, 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 the potential for like chaos and war that has erupted before. Wants to have, create a stable situation in which it will not be necessary to revolt Hopefully, even though I, a lot of mages disagree with that as well, but Mastic. the intent is not the intent is not bad. She's technically Grand Enchanter of the Circles by technicality at the start of Inquisition because she's the only First Enchanter that is left. Magic exists to serve man and never to rule over him. I think Vivian as Divine Victoria puts that in a really different light. And exactly to your point, Austin, about um, you know the mage representation, it's her. I think her opportunity as a mage and as both, you know, simultaneously the most important mage in the world, arguably, and also one of most powerful people, irrespective of her magic. And it's her. It, I think this can be argued both ways. I like her, and so I'm gonna. I'm going to use this argument in favor of her that she is exemplifying that magic exists to serve man and never to rule over him. The Chantry doesn't actually have any, you know, state power over anybody. Um, they are just the servants of all of Thetis. And Vivian is dedicating, you know, everything of her to the Chantry to help serve all of Thetis. Yeah, and I also think an argument could be made for Vivian as best divine in returns to like political relationships because here is what's going to happen. Eventually, Southern Thetis is going to have to choose a side between Taventer and Parvalin, which one they're going to back. And having a mage as divine could be a step to really easing the relationship between the Black Chantry and the regular Chantry. Um, oh, that is a fantastic point. I have not thought of that at all. In relation to the next game, it would be a really interesting world state to have, to have Vivian in that seat of power. Yeah, I definitely agree. And Vivian is so interesting to me. And I really feel like enough, like not enough people give her credit because they just think, oh, you are like a self-hating mage. 
and that's it. And then they, they write her off, but she is more than that. Um, she is a very ambitious character. And I do think that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But again, I just feel like people don't give her enough of a chance to really even get to know her. Like she does care about you. That's obvious in Trespasser. If you're her friend, she's the one person that says like, you need a break. Like, let me take you to the spa. So I, I, I agree that she is not, her rule as divine is not as bad as I thought it would be. She even treats you to a break if she's divine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you get to go, like, it's spa day with the divine. <laughs> God, I love that. <laughs> and I think it's easy to write Vivian, Vivian off as cold and like she's very much presented as this ice queen. And I think the first interaction we have with her is a kind of foreshadowing for how she would rule with the noble who insults you. And she's like, oh, okay. In my house? No, no way. But when you talk to her, and especially in her companion quest with the Duke of the Council of Heralds, like you see so much compassion, so much love, so much care for another individual. It really widens her character. I, I think Vivian, as a player, you need to put work into her. So it took me a few playthroughs and a few, I don't know, just reading secondary literature from whatever to kind of um, establish what sort of character she really is. Because if you just look superficially, she does come across like a sociopath with ambitions that are not entirely clear beyond I wish to be the most powerful mage in the country. And then it takes a while to kind of analyze that. and. Yeah, I'm glad that we're doing that here. So, does anyone think Liliana is the best divine? I think that Liliana is the best divine for elves. Um, because especially if the hero Ferelden is an elf, it makes total sense that she would want to make the Chantry a more inclusive place for elves. Especially since so many city elves are Androsian anyways. So for her to put like the Canticle of Chartan back in the Chant of Light, which is extremely controversial. I don't know if anybody has um, the World of Thetis Encyclopedia, the second volume, but it has um, the Chant of Light, like the full text in it. And it includes the Canticle of Chartan. And it has a line in there about how uh, Divine Victoria put this back into the chant of light and it's hugely controversial. Um, so that is so important. Number one, just the basic historical information to be accurate for the worshipers of the chantry. That's super important, but also she opens up the priesthood to elves so that they can then become sisters and brothers in the chantry and maybe even one day have an elven divine. So I think Liliana is the best divine for elves. I agree with that. I, I also agree with that. Me too. Uh, Liliana was my first divine. And, um, and there's been a lot of times that I wanted to get somebody else in the game still was like, nope, she's, this is your divine. So I'm like, okay, I guess there's, there's something the game was trying to tell me my natural tendency leans towards Liliana. And I also think, you know, even going back to, to origins with the, you know, the, um, the visions that she had, and, you know, believing that the maker spoke to her, it seems just such, such a natural fit. And she has, of course, because she's been, you know, we've seen her in all three games, 
I think the the biggest you know character arc out of all three, going from you know this this cloistered sister that we meet in the first place we get to out of Ostagar, and learning about how she was this naive girl who got betrayed and has now been hiding for years, and realizing oh you are a deadly bard and you help me take down an arch demon and all these dark spawn and then moving into being the the left hand of the divine and knowing it's like she's getting stuff done for 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 divine uh justinia and then moving on to being the spy master for the inquisition it's it's just a, such a huge character arc and and i especially you know it's when I take that into consideration for whether to to soften her and Inquisition, I almost always lean towards that because I'm like, you have been hurt so much over the past 10 or 15 years. Like you deserve to like, you deserve so much more self-compassion. Take it easier on yourself. You know, this is, you know, you, and if you can do that and it's like, you have earned, you know, the sunburst throne. You you deserve to be the divine. I kind of agree with that. Just emotionally, I kind of agree with that. Um, now, what does that look like politically? So Liliana, upon her coronation, is basically bringing along with her a, a, a vast political sort of and spy network, which the she then immediately starts to use to full effect so she can create all these divisive reforms and yeah so do you feel like her um she will she will have through the power she already holds and kind of you know people are scared of her will she be a stable enough leader to kind of make these rebellions that come up tolerable sort of i think that's an excellent question uh because it's it's making me think about how you know the power that all three candidates have when they, you know, when they respectively sit on the throne. And um, I think for Cassandra and Vivian, the majority of whatever power they did have kind of melds with them into the throne and, you know, into the office, like, cause a lot of, for them, you know, besides their own individual, um, you know, power and stuff, but I'm talking more about like, you know, Liliana has a army of spies and that, that army of spies is loyal to her, not that seat, not that office, not to the chantry. And so it's suddenly kind of questioning of, as the most powerful woman in the world and one of the most powerful people in the world, is it, is it a good idea for you to have two separate power bases? And what is, you know, what, what does that look like afterwards and how does that how do those two power bases interplay with each other and the rest mm, of the you, status you said afterwards so i'm but with liliana my my thought is always what happens after liliana what ha happens to the next person in power because what she creates there is a very individual kind of way of ruling that's really based on on her person and her pre-existing spy networks and so forth and so forth where do you go from there that could get pretty uh could get pretty chaotic um whereas while she's there she will probably really have a handle on it and also she she is a not she's no vivienne but she is a politician like compared to cassandra have you guys seen when you meet cassandra before her coronation she is 
pissed. She's so agitated. She just demands to go with the Inquisitor and hit things with her sword repeatedly, I think she says. She's already sick of politics. She isn't even on the throne yet. Um, she's doing it out of, out of duty. She's doing it out of duty. Whereas Liliana, no, she's a she wants to do engage in politics. So I think that's actually what makes Cassandra a good divine. I tend to be the kind of person that thinks the best leaders are the people who don't seek out leadership. So for me, that's I think one of the reasons why she is a good leader. Um, and also, well, I'll get into this in a minute. But my other thought was when you're talking about how Liliana's leadership sets up a precedent that you're not sure someone else could follow, that's kind of my hesitation with Vivian because she rules with such an iron fist. She rules so strongly that anyone else who comes in after her is going to look weak. Um, And then that puts that person in a really terrible position right from the get-go. So that's kind of my hesitation with Vivian and that just your, your thoughts about Liliana made me think of that. So, And I kind of agree with that in that reforms that are done quickly can be undone quickly. And, you know, we talk about, at least from a U.S. point of view, like a president can sign into something in an executive order. And then when that president is done, the next president can come in and probably sign an executive order and that removes that executive order. And so it's kind of this thing of Liliana and Vivian have such quick reforms but that means that there's not the stability of the actual systemic change and that the system when they're gone is just going to fight its hardest to revert back to where it was. I mostly agree with that, but I think um, I would flip it to where, um, you know, I would say yes, Vivian and Liliana's reforms are very quickly implemented, but I think with all three candidates, they're all looking at probably around at least like a 50 year reign And so with a lot of those more policy reforms, by the time, you know, a new divine is eventually coronated, you know, it could be 50 years down the line when, um, you know, you haven't had a a circle um, in 50 years, or you've had mages fairly integrated into society for 50 years, or, or that, you know, elves having a lot more rights. Whereas I think with Liliana, that network of spies and her separate power base no matter what, it's not going to be passed on to the next divine. So I, I agree with um, with you all that I think with Liliana, it sets such a, such a high bar that it's almost kind of guaranteeing the next divine is, you know, is not going to have the same power base as Liliana does almost by definition. Whereas with um, Cassandra and Vivian, I think, you know, irrespective of their own personalities, you know, they're, they're forces of nature personalities, all of their power, once they sit on the throne, is derived from, you know, the, from the throne. Kind of to echo that a little bit with her spy network being working for the Chantry and working for her, it means they're not working for the Inquisition. And I think of the three candidates for divine, Liliana is probably the one the Inquisition can afford to lose the least. They can't afford to lose her. And I think that especially with her contacts in the elven world, she's one of the best chances for really keeping track of Solus. This is a re- bringing up the Inquisition is really relevant because we haven't discussed that yet. Um, what role do we want the Inquisition to play after the Exalted Council and the 
the coronation and so forth. Um, yeah, where are you guys at with that? What would be the best role for the Inquisition? Because that's kind of really closely tied to what we're discussing. Under anyone but Vivian, I keep the Inquisition with the Chantry under Divine Victoria's rule. But I think that it's too much power for Vivian to basically have direct control over the Inquisition. And I think that it would tarnish the Inquisitor and Vivian's relationship for her to be basically their boss. And when you say with the Chantry, do do we, um, is that the sort of scaled down version of the Inquisition where they are basically Divine Victoria's Guard of Honor sort of thing yes. or a full organization? Oh yeah, okay. I personally don't like to disband the Inquisition because I feel like it's so annoying that they, after you've just saved the world, are like, okay, disband your army now. It's like, okay, no, you, who are you to tell me what to do when you didn't do anything to save the world and I just did? Goodbye. That's my gut reaction. But I recognize that is probably not the most politically sound uh, decision. So I've altered it. I've, I've done different things and different playthroughs. So I don't really have one set standard of what I do personally. So I think with keeping them under Divine Victoria's rule, it creates a better checks and balances system in Thetis where they're not just like, because the problem in Thetis has always been who watches the Watchers, who watches the Templars, who watches the Seekers, who watches the Chantry, this kind of check and balance of power across Thetis. And so I think having the Inquisitor as an arm of the Chantry, but not directly tied to the Templars or the Mages, allows for another check of power. Because if the Seekers get out of line, if the Templars get out of line, if the Mages get out of line, the Inquisition is there to act with appropriate force. And if they're disbanded, they're basically working against the established rule. And that would make it very difficult. Could you, while we're at that, could you guys remind me, um, is it possible for Cassandra to uh, put all her efforts into re reforming the Seekers, but also be divine? Is that is this, is that two storylines that can go together? Um, I think, I think so. So the difference is she personally is just more involved if she's not divine. So like she's leading the charge to do that. She's out in the field to rebuild the seekers if she is not divine. If she is divine, she can't really do that. Um, but she does still rebuild them. I think they are a stronger order if she is not divine. Um, so it just kind of depends. But I think that's a good transition into what we think about um, Cassandra's leadership as Divine Victoria. Yeah, I wanted to agree quickly with what you said earlier about, oh, you know, that old line of uh, the best political leaders would be the people who don't want the office. And that applies to her so much. Just, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch clips of her being angry. <laughs> I think she immediately sort of promises um, stability through like slow, slowly enacted reforms and building upon existing structures that she's in favor of i seem to always end up with her as the divine if i just go if if i just make, sort of make snap decisions i think she is my sort of personal divine even though i've also managed to get um vivian ones no idea how that happened <laughs> i agree i think i think um cassandra is you know if you're looking at um who does, especially Southern Vedas, who are they most likely going to want the most out of these three? I feel like it's going to be Cassandra. Um, and just because 
you know, all of the reforms that she does, they're all, they're a lot more moderate. They're a lot slower. She's not trying to rock the boat. She's trying to be like, guys, the world almost just ended. Let's take things a little bit slowly here. You know, let's all come back together. You know, there are a lot of things we all need to improve on and fix, but let's take this easy and just know that we're all in this together as cliche as that sounds. And um, yeah, I would really trust her, especially after her personal experience with what happened to the Seekers, to really keep an eye on the checks and balances and sort of the functionality of those organizations and 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 enact reforms accordingly. Um, also, I like, because I think we all quite like her as a character. And I remember when you, you know how all the, all the companions have something to say about the new divine. And when you, I think you go to Josie and Josie says she would be a, she would be an unusually forthright divine. So none of the secret spy business that you would get with Liliana. Instead, it's just, I'm going to punch you, basically. Uh, I, I do like that idea a lot. I think that that Cass, we also have to remember that she um, is like a hero to most people in Thetis because she saved the previous divine from attempted assassination. So not only did she do that, she also then went on to serve divine Justinius. So she already has a proven track record with not one, but two, two other divines before her. So I think she's very much looked at probably as the candidate who has the most experience almost. Um, and, and she's also a, a former seeker. So I don't think there's ever been a, divine who was a former seeker either so in that way her rule is also monumental similar to vivian's yeah definitely um i agree with that i was going to say that she is on the same status as the hero of ferelden because she's the hero or of orlay like so they're at the same kind of status there and then what else i was going to say is that i think cassandra is the best religious leader for the yeah, she out, out of everyone, she's like a true Andrastian. Um, and because, well, we've got Vivian and then we've got Liliana and what happens to Liliana's faith over the her whole uh, sort of character arc is, yeah, it's quite something. And whereas I think Cassandra remains a, yeah, just has stable faith and is known to be a competent religious leader. I was going to say that um, I think I, I like Cassandra as a divine, but I, I think part of that, you know, where, where she does represent the Seekers and to a degree also, I think you could also say that the Templar, she's very Templar oriented, but I always play as a mage in, in all of my canons, the majority of my playthroughs. But, and so I always have that relationship with her where it's like, hey, I'm a mage. You know, you are trusting the fate of the world to a mage. You are appointing a mage to be the Inquisitor. Are you sure about this? And she's like, I trust you. And and I hope that, you know, I, I like to think that my relationship with her colors her views of mages going forward. So I have more confidence in her as a divine. If I'm playing as a different class, suddenly that calculus changes a little bit. And then I'm suddenly like, okay, but. Now, you know, I don't blame the mages for not wanting to go back to the circles under a former seeker. That that makes total sense to me. Um, but, and with regard to 
um, the sincerity or the 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 strength of belief. I yeah, she's way more Androstian than Vivian. There's no question about that. And I and it, I do think it is important to recognize Liliana's crisis of faith, and that can be really relevant because I think it goes back to Cassandra is stability. But I think with Liliana and kind of where I was saying earlier, I was like, she deserves it because I look at it as that crisis of faith strengthens, you know, her her ultimate level of faith when she finally is elected divine. And like, I think with Cassandra too, is that she inspires others to believe. And that is such a rare gift in a religious leader that I think is really important. I mean, sometimes when I talk to Cassandra, she almost convinces me, like me, Austin, to be Androstian. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right in that. And that it's interesting because both Liliana and Cassandra both have crises of faith during Inquisition. But Cassandra handles hers with, I feel like, more of an open mind almost. And, and the realization that like, okay, all these crazy things we've seen and that have happened to us, I don't understand them fully, but I know that my faith is still important. And I know that Andraste guides us and I'm going to rest in that. Even if like our holy text has to change or our structure or whatever has to change. But with Liliana, it totally wrecks her. And I'm not saying that that should disqualify her from religious leadership, but I think that she probably needs to maybe come to grips or understand what happened, um, maybe process through her crisis of faith a little bit more before she's ready to be a religious leader. Because we think about the political leadership way more than the religious leadership. Like she is in charge of all of these clergy, all of these priests, all of these um, revered mothers, like they report to her and they're leading like worship and the chantries throughout Thetis. And so if, if a person who isn't really sure what they believe anymore is leading all of these other people, it doesn't really make much sense in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that's why for me, Cassandra, if you want a world state where the chantry continues for a long time, I think Cassandra is the divine to pick just because the chantry takes a huge hit in Inquisition. Just it loses a ton of clergy at the conclave and they're divine. And you have the whole Corypheus thing where a magister is staring in front of you and saying, I've seen the throne of the gods and it is empty. And so I think the Chantry as an organization, as a faith organization, needs a leader who's going to say, all this crap happened to us, but look how the maker was walking with us as that happened. And so whether or not the Chantry needs to exist in Vedas, I think is up for debate. But if you as your character want it, I think Cassandra is probably the divine you want there. Yeah, I was going to add, like I said, that Liliana, I think, is the best divine for elves. I think that Cassandra is the best divine for the Chantry. I also think she's the best divine for stability in Thetis overall, but we've kind of already talked about that. So, yeah. Does anybody have any final thoughts on the divines? My final thought is that I, I, I still don't think I will have the one favorite because I, I'm very the good thing about Bioware games, as we know, is that you have all these options and you can see how they will influence like the plot in the future. And uh, yeah, I want to see all three of them and how that plays out and what sort of political relationships 
they will have with Tavinta, et cetera, et cetera. I agree. Yeah. I think it's very hard to tell, to make a choice between all three. And I think they're, you know, like we said at the very beginning, they all have, you know, different strengths and they all have different weaknesses. And I don't, I think Bioware did an excellent job of making sure to, for the most part, that they're all balanced. Um, but I think for me, I, oh, this uh, Cassandra is my canon uh, divine, but I think really for me to be able to say like, no, this is now like firm, solid, nothing's going to be able to change my mind really is to see how our choices affect dad um, and, and exploring each, each divine Victoria in the next game to see how that, that changes the story. And then I'll look back and I'll say like, Ooh, I used to simp for Vivian, but that was a terrible idea. Yeah, and we really, we still don't know how long of a time gap is going to be between Inquisition and Dad. I mean, a whole, basically a whole war happened between DA2 and Inquisition. I mean, really multiple between the Mages, Templars, and then the War of the Lions in Orlais. Scary. <laughs> All right, Austin, you want to close this out? Yeah, well, you heard it here. There is no best choice for Divine, is what we've decided. So yeah, um, decide what yourself. Let us know what you think about Divine, whether on Twitter or on the Discord or anywhere else, uh, you can find us all there on the CUPS Discord server and you can come hang out with us. Uh, also, thank you to all of our patrons, our two patrons who are here and all of our patrons. If you want to join our Patreon and potentially come on the show with our first Enchanter tier, you can go to our Patreon. The link to our Discord and the Patreon are both found in the episode descriptions. And so Shelby, to close, would you like to read our patrons? That we I will. Yes. So our first patrons are Lisa M, Genesis, Derek B, and Zuba. Well, thank you for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere.